Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. of Covered in Glory, where we're on the other side of the Thanksgiving break and heading headlong into the business end of the Premier League season. But before we look forward, let's look back for just a second. Brent, my friend, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. It was nice to just like have a little bit of a break, uh, enjoy some football games, although pretty much all the games were terrible. Uh, well, three out of the four were football-wise. Uh, but yeah, but then soccer is back on the weekend. Soccer is back again this weekend. Uh, we didn't do, we did okay. Right. We were, we were up a little bit, I think on our five point last week. Um, but we missed, we missed our study abroad pick. And I always feel like that just like ruins the entire thing when we miss our study abroad pick. Uh, it ruins it more when you go over like I did on trendy on Monday, I'll take up a little bit and miss the Italian game versus the alternative. I'll tell you that every day of the week. Uh, so Brett, before we start getting into this week's Premier League action and and, and make up for uh, not being killers that we were last week, I think we're going to have a better week this week. We want to talk about the hottest topic right now in international soccer, which is sin bins. So you uh, are a very busy man. You have to work on your pronunciations like 23 out of the 24 hours in a day to try to get them right on the show and then still somehow butcher them. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully you've been following this a little bit. It looks like the International Rules Group wants to start moving uh, orange cards or sin bins forward into more high-profile high competitions. And so I think this is coming for all of us, Brett. And for those of you who don't know, the concept comes from um, a rule that was put in in rugby about 20 years ago, which basically put something in between a yellow card and a red card. For very specific infractions, the referee would then have the discretion to, instead of sending somebody off or just giving them a warning, dispel them to the sidelines for a for the, a. 10-minute period of time, 5-minute period of time, 15-minute period of time. It hasn't been decided yet. It'll likely be 10 minutes. So, Brett, when you hear this, you know, some pundits are going insane about this, saying it's going to ruin the game. Other ones are saying, hallelujah, it's about time. Where on that spectrum do you fall? Well, I mean, honestly, the spectrum that I fall on is uh, this is like a perfect uh, glimpse of how my brain works is I could sit here and tell you like Sean Longstaff's touches in the penalty area for this year, but I completely had to be filled in on you about what was happening with the arch cards. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I, I think that there's a lot of really punitive punishments in soccer, um, you know, red cards, at least from a sporting perspective, like they completely change the sport in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a huge statistical advantage to going down with a red card. And I mean, the penalty thing, you and I have talked about this on the show with penalties, you get, you hit somebody's hand in the upper right corner of the box, and then you're giving the other team an 80% chance of a goal. So you have these like punishments that don't fit crimes. And so I think allowing something like an orange card where we can stop having these like extreme like changes to the the whole dynamic of a low scoring sport are is a good idea. I'm not a traditionalist in the sense of like, oh, it's going to ruin it. And there's only yellow and red, uh, reds. Now that's all we can have. Like bring me uh, some things that make it less insane when you get some of these penalties that completely turn around matches. Yeah, we did a whole discussion on rule changes last year. We talked about uh, real-time and extra time. We talked about like potentially having kick-ins and some other things. I think it was around the time MLB was changing their rules. But this one did not come up. But the more I read about it, the more I like it, Brett. Like A lot of the arguments against it comes around giving refs more things to screw up. But I think what people forget about VAR and all the controversy that comes around this is like, yes, we complain a lot about VAR. But if VAR did not exist, we would be complaining twice as much. Much. Like the obvious offsize goal that allows for something to stand versus uh, what we are experiencing right now. Like people in England are still screaming about the hand of God, right? Like 
40 years later or whatever it is. So I think we would be far more upset if it didn't exist, even if we are giving the referees another weapon to, to kind of butcher here. But I think the way in which they're doing it's really smart. So yes, it probably is not going to take away from what you're describing, like the hits a hand in the upper box and suddenly becomes 0.8 XG. Uh, it's not going to take away from like the triple penalty that comes with a red card in the box where the guy gets sent off um, given a penalty kick and gets suspended for anywhere from one to three matches. It's not going to do that. But what it's specifically going to be targeted at is dissent. And so the idea of modern soccer right now, of watching, you know, 20 grown men just bum rush like the one guy in stripes and scream and yell and <laughs> have all these histrionics and all that sort of thing in order to try to influence the decision. Like, why are we trying to preserve that? What is so precious about that that we want to keep it? Why is that a good thing to watch a mob rule try to influence the game for a bunch of guys just screaming at a ref? And I'm not a ref apologist. I'm not a ref defendant. Like, none of those things. They're wildly underpaid. They need to be better. They need to be better resourced and better trained. But, like, watching just 20 guys scream at them isn't entertaining. It isn't increasing things for the spectator. So giving a deterrent mechanism, this idea that we're going to send you off for 10 minutes if you do that, if you're not the captain and you go scream at the ref, I say bring it to the NBA. I say bring it to the NFL, bring it to baseball, bring it everywhere. Let's protect these guys a little bit and return a little sanity to the matches. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that completely. Um, I mean, because, you know, obviously – I think wasn't it just like last night or uh, I could be mixing my days, but LeBron was sent off for two technicals, you know, on a flop and then something else where he was sent out of the game. And then it's like, you know, from the fan perspective, you're paying X amount of dollars to go watch LeBron play. And like, that's how he goes out that game. So that stuff is ridiculous. And I, I guess I've never understood, you know, the, the need for the, these huge, like, like you said, though, where they just flock the one guy in the field and everybody's yelling and having their two cents and telling him to F off or whatever it is. Um, I mean, I like the idea of something that punishes that, but also doesn't like completely remove a player because he tells a ref to F off. Right. Like that's, that's where like that, that is, I think a thing that it allows you to clean up, just kind of an ugly, unsightly thing that goes on in soccer matches that nobody is asking for. Like, nobody's like, hey, man, I can't wait to go watch this Chelsea match and watch Thiago Silva scream at a referee for 10 minutes. Um, no, but bad it, example. But, Come on. He's well, not, not Thiago. Sorry. That was a really thing. Yeah, for some reason, it was a name that popped in my head. I, I might have just seen Chelsea on my note sheet here and then thought Silva. Um, but yeah, uh, but it's more one of those things where it's like you don't want to see the guy completely gone for the match, but there does need to be some recourse or if the guy is a total, you know, but I guess, because I, I don't want to do extra work here, um, like a Bruno Fernandez type who's just who constantly is complaining about everything where you're just like, yeah, go cool off on the sideline. Now your team's down to 10. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of like that idea. And I think that a guy like you is going to end up loving the idea. You haven't fully processed it or thought it through because the tactical uh, kind of element that it's going to introduce when there's a temporary man advantage instead of a permanent man advantage is going to be fascinating. So you have a 10 minute window when you're a man up, but any change that you make becomes permanent. Do you bring on another attacker just for those 10 minutes? Do you bring on another defender if you're the team that's trying to preserve? We'll keep her up, baby. We'll keep yeah, her up. <laughs> it, it's going to bring such a different uh, element to the game. And like, I am not, you know, an overly traditionalist. You certainly aren't. The idea that we can introduce tactical dynamics that are interesting and modern and um kind of bespoke and new to this sport that we love so much i'm all for yeah i uh, i like i said i i am just for anything that makes the product a little bit better without completely sapping the integrity of, of the of the game or at least like the spirit that it was created under right and so in this sense, it's like you're removing a very unwanted element out of the game. It, it wastes time. It's just unsightly. I'm not getting anything as a fan. I don't think anybody is getting anything as a fan. Um, so things like that, that just make the, the matches more compelling, that make them more interesting, that get to the nuts and bolts of why you love a sport. I'm always going to back that over that. Yeah, and, um, so, I've, I, and I've never heard a single hockey fan say they should get rid of power plays. Like I've just yeah, never heard that argument ever. Like it's the most exciting part of the match. So why wouldn't we want to have a little bit of that in, in our game? Yeah, that's a great point. And, and it's so much better than, you know, somebody getting a second yellow because he yells at a referee. And then, th then the game is complete. Like if that happens in the 40th minute, 
you know, Casemiro makes a tough tackle, draws a yellow, gets it, gets into it with a ref, gets another one in the 40th minute. That game is completely changed. If he's gone for five minutes on either side of halftime, that's a really fun, interesting thing that you're talking about for that game. So yeah. I, I think that's a that's a great idea. All right, Orange Cards, two thumbs up from the Covered in Glory crew. I know they're waiting for us to weigh in on it so they can finally move this into the World Cup. We give it our <laughs> blessing. Uh, we'll all come back after this. We'll give Caesars a little bit of love and tell you which bets we are giving our blessing this week. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit Gambling Helpline MA.org. Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler or West Virginia, 1 800 Gambler.net, New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we are back and we are starting with one of my favorite possible matchups in the entire world. We are starting with Manchester City, second at 29 points versus Tottenham, Fifth at 26 points, Sunday at 11.30 a.m. I am smiling and I am giddy before I even read you the odds. I've got City at minus 320. Caesars has Spurs at plus 800. The draw is plus 450. City minus a goal and a half. That is an adjusted spread against Tottenham right now. It's minus 125. And the Spurs are minus 105 to at least keep this close. So, Brett. Do the Spurs have any survival instinct at all? And I mean any. All the evidence suggests no. I went nuts about the high line and inappropriate scenarios last week. And what do they do? They play an insanely high line on a free kick 
in what's likely the final action of a half where they gain no benefit from doing so and, and of course concede a backbreaking goal versus Villa that eventually led to Villa winning and me cashing a lot of bets. And this was made even funnier, Brent, even funnier by the fact that a high line is partially valuable because it could cause the opponent to wander off sides. And then Spurs had approximately 10 million goals waved off for offsides on the other end. And Sun did his best impression of me in my 20s at 4 a.m. in the bar because apparently he can no longer see straight. In this <laughs> ultimate test for our boy, uh, our boy Pasta Glue, I guess the city juggernaut on the road, is he going to go unbound, unbent, unbroken again like the sand sticks? Or is he going to be a little bit more cautious and not suffer the same fate? Uh, no. As someone, God, this is, I, I say so many things that are so incriminating on here. On someone who watched multiple Celtic Champions League games last year, he does not back down. It's part of why I love it. I think it's great for the league. I think it's great for the sport. I love managers that are just like, I don't care. We're just going to play this way. Now, it's great for us as betters too, Toby, because I just don't – I don't see this. I don't – there is not a world where he, where our guy Ange takes his foot off the off the gas. I just don't see it. I didn't – they were – Celtic played Real Madrid in the Champions League last year. A huge disparity in team quality, right? Team that's won multiple Champions League titles over the last few years versus Celtic team that wasn't even winning the, the Scottish Premiership. And they were like pressing up and trying to get in Madrid, and Madrid would put five goals past him. I mean, now he's got like better players at Spurs. Do you think he's going to take his foot off the gas at City? No way. Like, it's just. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the orange cards to come to the Premier League and like nine guys on Spurs rush a ref. They all get orange card. He plays a high line that's just sun. Like, that's coming. (laughs) Well, I mean, at that point, you might want to be trying to catch teams offside, but I get your, I get the general gist of where you're going with that one. Um, But yeah, I I don't think there's any backing down. And because of that, I mean, I am, I was shocked even like at the adjust, I knew it was going to be adjusted. I knew it was going to be minus 1.5 line. And I was like, it's going to still be like minus 150, like maybe even up to minus 170, minus 125, man. Like what, what is happening? I couldn't agree more that he's not going to back down, which is why give me every single city bet you could conceive of. Every single one. I will <laughs> bet the wheel here. Just anything <laughs> that has city in a positive light, I will take the lot. I, like, I'm taking them obviously on the adjusted. They don't have the minus two and a half posted. I'd take that. The minus three and a half? Give me some. Like, Give me every one that you could possibly give here. Because you could talk me into any of it. They are properly motivated, the City team, being down a point to Arsenal on, on the table. And they are going to unleash hell on this pure Spurs club that seems that seems determined to cover themselves in flames instead of glory. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you there. Obviously, I'm taking the minus one and a half, because uh, at least for the general spread. But I mean, I'm I'm going with the Holland two-goal line. Like I, plus I am two. But, oh, okay. All right. So plus two, two, uh, plus two seventy five for Holland to score twice or more, um, which it may be more. I mean, just because of the fact that like this city team too seems ex- like built exceptionally well now with Holland to go up against like team like Pep has kind of transitioned his style to be a little bit less on the front foot. And he plays those like four center backs now with Vardial and Walker, basically. Well, at least like old age Walker, um, where they're they're basically like it's four center backs. It, it's it's like a more skilled Stoke City back line, <laughs> like Tony yeah. Pulis with skilled players is what's going on at City. So they absorb pressure a little bit more. So then that means that they're absorbing a little bit more pressure. Spurs are playing this high line, and then you have this dude named Erling Haaland who's just going to be running into acres of space. <laughs> it just, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really particularly like the plus 275, but I, I, for two goals, not just one, two goals, but this just seems like way too good to pass up. Like he's going to have about eight shots, I think, uh, when they play. Yeah, I mean, like if Watkins and Jackson can do this to him, the last two strikers they played, like what the hell is Erling Highline going to do to them? I almost went to the hat trick. I was even looking for a four line at one point to see how high a line I can get on that. <laughs> um, and just looking at Highline, like he passed 50 goals last week and only 48 appearances. So, Brett, what do we have to see, in your opinion, before we can officially start saying we are watching the greatest goal scorer in Premier League history? Uh, I, well, I mean, I think it's just, I mean, the only question at this point is longevity. How long does he stay in the league and does he stay healthy? 
other than that, I don't think there's a question, right? Like he is, he is un like undoubtedly prolific. There, the only thing is, is like, is he going to get hurt or is he going to get bored and go to Madrid or some other super club? That's it. That's the only, the only thing stopping him. But, but this, this run that he's had over the stretch since he's entered the league until now has been insane. Yeah, I was looking at a list of the uh, Premier League goal scorers who scored at least a hundred goals in the Premier League, and how many of them even averaged a one and two, like a one and two appearances? Like Holland's over one and one right now. How many do you think even have a one and two on that list? Oh God, I couldn't even guess. Not many. Not many at all. It's Van Persie, Salah. That sounds right. Uh, Michael Owen. And then uh, Aguero had a very impressive record, 184 and 275. And then uh, Henri, 175 and 258. And then our boy Harry Kane and Alan Shearer, who's at the top of the list with 260 goals, but that took 441 appearances. So, like, what we're watching this one and one is just absolutely preposterous. Henri is currently the leader right now in terms of ratio with people who got at least 100, and he's at 0.68. So, like, I just think that we're seeing something that's just I, – I would like to say it's unsustainable because history says it's unsustainable, but every single thing I'm watching says it's entirely sustainable. And instead – and uh, unlike, like, Shearer and, um, and Henri, I'm not saying bad things about those guys, but the Premier League is deeper than it was during their age because of the increased riches that have come with even more Premier League uh, TV rights and the ownership groups that have come in. So, like – the flat track bullying where you can get, you know, four against the 17th or 18th ranked team in the, in the premier league table can still happen, but it's a, more of a challenge now. So like if he can get to a hundred, if he plays two more seasons and, and hits that number, I think it's going to be inarguable. Like even Ronaldo was one Oh three and two thirty six. He was at 0.44 and Holland's at over one. Yeah. It's, it's absurd. I mean, when, whenever you're kind of in the 0.8, goals goals per 90 to above like you're i don't care what the league is like that's an insane prolific feat right and i, I love i love me some kunaguero like he was i, I hate it. i hate saying this about a city player that's owned by a nation state but i mean he was one of my favorite strikers and he he sort of did get a little bit unlucky where he was kind of breaking down by the time this really turned into a machine um but i mean he was amazing and to me, like, it's not even a question at this point that Holland is a more prolific player than than he was. Um, and I, I love Aguero. I think Aguero is one of the most underrated strikers in Premier League history. And I, to me, if you gave me the choice between the, the two of them, even in their primes, like I'm still, I mean, what Holland's doing is nuts. And I mean, like the fun part about him is he's such a beast like that's a, that's the enjoyment about this too is like he isn't just like you know like a savvy poacher like he's rifling left-footed shots into the corner or like jumping where his leg is at somebody's head to like redirect a ball in you know he's added headers to his game he's he's in on fast breaks like and he's just a monster and i think like it, there's something impressive too about the fact that like he is this physical beast but he also is just turning into a, like a prolific machine that gets on the end of everything. And, yeah. uh, and Spurs are going to, I mean, Spurs are going to be experiencing probably all facets of the way that he can score his goals this weekend. Yeah. Uh, just wrapping it up. Ian Wright. I did forget him. He's kind of lower on the list. He was at 0.53 on his ratio and the worst ratio of anybody who ever scored hundred goals in the premier league. If I gave you five minutes, you'd probably come up with it, but do you know it off the top of your head? Oh God, the worst ratio of somebody. I mean, I'm assuming it's like early aughts, but I can't think of who it's, it would be. It's Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. Ryan Giggs, Giggs just yeah. got over hundred and six hundred and thirty-two appearances. Yeah, I was gonna say probably because he played about seven hundred and fifty matches, but I was, yeah. I was close there, six hundred and ninety. Well, Holland's going to eclipse all of them and set like, you know, potentially like a Cy Youngian record, right? Like if he goes, yeah. if he has a one ratio and scores a hundred goals, like that's like having whatever it is, 510 victories. And I don't think it'll ever be approached again. Um, so Brett, I, as I said earlier, give me every single city bet. So I'm not stopping at Holland to score two plus other ones. I like just worth mentioning. Um, and it goes back to something we always talk about in the city. Like they jump on people early, they jump on people often, and then they like to give up goals. 
So I am going to go with Man City to score in both halves, minus 125. City to win both halves, because I think they're going to score four or more here. And if they do that, I think they'll definitely win both halves. That's plus 175. And then the consolation goal, baby, Spurs to score in the second half is plus 130. So I'll take that one as well. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm kind of with you. This is like the uh, OK Corral buffet of City Mets against Spurs. <laughs> so I'm in. I don't know if yeah. OK Corral are OK Corral still a thing. I don't know if they are, but I, I'm giving them a shout out. They can, if they want to sponsor us, OK Corral, just give Toby a call. Yeah, far away from a dusty rotary phone, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> yeah, just one last thing to say about this. I would say my favorite bets of the entire year are City bets. Um, and our uh, Odegaard shot on target and then fading Spurs. So the fact that I get to do two of the three <laughs> of them in a single game is tremendous. I am giddy about this match on Sunday. It will be back for the five pint. Oh, uh, but it sounds me. like we agreed. We agree too much to talk about too much more. Yeah, and believe me, we I've already been on record saying that the city against the spread is my weighted blanket of picks in the five pint. So it took yeah. everything in my power to not be boring and be like, yeah, I'm just going to put all five on them in my all spot. five on it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about a few other games, even though we both just mainly want to bet that city Spurs match. Yeah. So we'll go Newcastle, 7th at 23 points versus Man United, 6th at 24 points. This game is Saturday at 3 p.m. Newcastle's minus 110. Caesars, uh, Caesars has United at plus 270. The draw is plus 270. Newcastle minus half a goal is minus 115. United is minus one half team, uh, 115. Woo! Man, I'm still so giddy over that City and Spurs game. I'm having a hard time even reading numbers, Brett. Uh, <laughs> so my question for you to lead off this match in your opinion, and I know you have one, are the United struggles overblown at all right now? They do have three wins and a draw in their last five, and people are still talking like they are circling the drain. And we were talking that way two weeks ago. Has their like semi-bounce back in that two weeks changed your mind at all? No. Uh, I mean, because again, you know, they basically eked out it. Well, I wouldn't say eked. It was 3-0. But I mean, the, the chances in the Everton match were about even. Um, you know, they, they then the other wins were, or the other match was against Luton Town. And then, you know, they go they go ahead and then the Champions League just yesterday, um, you know, Galatissarai, Gal, Gal, I'm saying that wrong, too, probably, um, you know, basically plays them even. And this is a team that's like not even winning the Turkish League. So I, I, the, the underlying numbers, I'm always going to I mean, you hate being this guy, because I know like regular soccer fans, like, oh, you and your stats and your data or whatever. But these are the reason that they exist, right, Toby? Like they tell you that these little blips are just little blips. That's all they are. They're lucky little sports. And this team is fundamentally looking like an eighth or ninth place Premier League team at this point. That has not changed and it won't change in three matches. Like this is why we have the data. So no, I'm not buying into it. We we've seen how flawed this team is. We we talked about it at the very beginning of the year. You and I had this conversation. This team last year was so reliant on a 31, now 32-year-old defensive midfielder with a ton of miles on his legs, and Marcus Rashford basically playing like a top five player for about three months, right? And those two yep. things were, those are not sustainable things in general. So the fact that those things were were not sustainable and their numbers are looking like they do this year just tells me any little short-term things I, I you can't, I'm not going to like fall for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And look, Casemiro is going to be out for an extended period of time, potentially it looks like here. And so like, aren't we right back to where we were? Like we're back to where we were thinking they're struggling without him, but we now have some evidence that Onana might not be that guy. And uh, in the Champions League, he gave up two free kicks to Ziyech, my boy, that both of them look savable to me. Like, so where do you actually, where do you pinpoint this? Is it the back line? Is it the goalkeeper? Is it the coaching? Is it the tactics? Is it the midfield? Is it the offense? Or is it literally all of that? And in that case, how are they even a top half Premier League team? Yeah, I mean, it's. That's such a, I mean, it, it's such a complicated answer, right? Like there, everybody would love to say a smoking gun or you watch, you know, whatever Paramount when you're watching the, uh, you know, the Champions League game, they'll go to the halftime show and everybody will give their take on it. It's always just one thing. It's definitely not just one thing with United. There's clearly the money they've spent and 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 smart writers have written about this going through their transfer spend over the last three or four years. And, and especially under Ten Hag, um, has not been good. So their player recruitment has been poor. 
they haven't really developed anybody from their academy outside of like Rashford that's been an elite level player. And their depth in general, I mean, remember, this is a team that we were just talking about like a couple of weeks ago or, or probably more close to a month or six weeks ago that was like turning to Scott McTominay as their 12th guy, basically, to step into the starting lineup and play as like a support striker. So that tells you that there's a whole chain of things that are going on there. They're taking a defensive midfielder, putting him as like a support striker because they're desperate because their depth isn't there. And then it doesn't make the rest of their pieces work. So it shows you the lack of a plan tactically where they're just trying to ad lib and find whatever they can to, to make it. And this is like one of the most richest, most powerful teams in the world. Granted, they've been dysfunctional for a long time now, but like, that just kind of shows you that everything is broken. Oh, Nana, it breaks my heart. He's been a little disappointing. Um, I don't think he was ever, you know, going to be like a super elite shot stopper. I thought he'd make up for that for his aggressive play and, and, his, and his sweeping ability and his ability to play out from the back. But again, they were rolling out Victor Lindelof at left back. Like, yeah, I get it. Luke Shaw's hurt. But, like, you should have more depth than Victor Lindelof playing left back for you. Like, like a couple of injuries yeah. should not get you to that point when you're Manchester. Yeah, back. Luke Shaw's back now. And so maybe yeah. that gives them a little bit of bump. And, look, on the bright side, they could just rewatch that Garnacho goal like 10,000 times and ignore the rest of the season. And that would probably be a better way to spend their spring. Um but I was I asked you those questions first because I was waiting for you to give me a single reason to not take Newcastle here, but you failed to do so. Like <laughs> they're going to play a lineup that uh looks a lot like the 3-0 team that got stomped by Newcastle earlier in the year. And that team had Casemiro in it, and I think he's pretty doubtful for an extended period of time. Plus, it has they have to go up to St. James Park. St. James Park, as I just watched last weekend with Chelsea, is a very difficult place to play. I usually ignore home field advantage a lot in my handicapping, but I think that is one place that is a clear exception. Uh, it is hostile. It's like going over the wall to fight the wildlings. So put it all together. Uh, it's only minus 110 on the money line for Newcastle. I can't see a reason to take any other side unless you give me one, which you didn't. Yeah, I mean, the thing I could give you about taking Newcastle, even though I'm doing the same thing and taking them as well um, at, at that money line number, is like Lewis Millie was starting in their Champions League game in which the score was the score line was 1-1, but PSG annihilated them, like essentially yeah. in terms of chances created. So, I mean, it was a, it was a complete beatdown. Um, I mean, the, if if you do want the pure XG numbers, it was 4.4 expected goals created for PSG and only 1.3 for Newcastle. Now, granted, that was aided by an Mbappe penalty, which is like automatically baked into to XG total XG numbers at a 0.75 clip or 0.8, depending on which model is running it. But I mean, they're still like they got they got trampled by PSG and Lewis Millie is starting for them in the Champions League. That could have very easily been a 5-0, 4-0 loss right there. Yeah. And I think though that performance is actually probably what's driving the line. Um, and, and so I'm definitely worried about this Newcastle depth. Like the situation for them is not good. But at this point, like you said, I, I am looking for the reason to take United. I came into this, I came into my prep being like. I don't like where Newcastle's at. What? What? Give me something to tell me that I should just take United on this thing, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, so we're agreed on that. But like, what are you seeing in the prop market? I'm personally going to play Newcastle race to two goals at plus one ten because of the absence of Casemiro, the fact that there's there's no absence for Harry Maguire. He still seems to be out there every week. And I like Isak, and like I know you're down on some of their other guys, but I think he's going to find the net. I think they're going to find it twice, and I don't think United's going to. So the race to 10, getting at a plus 110 instead of a minus number, just taking the Newcastle team side seemed like good value to me. Yeah, I mean, the one that I was looking at, uh, I mean, he, you know, he scored – in the in their last Premier League match was Joel Linton's anytime goal scorer number. He's he's got sneaky good underlying numbers. And you gotta remember, like before they moved him into this like defensive midfielder-ish role, although now he's kind of been back on the front line a little bit. 
but he he came to Newcastle as a striker. Like that was that was what Joel Linton was supposed to be. Was he was supposed to be there at nine? And then they kind of moved him, and all of a sudden you see him picking the ball up off center back sometimes. Um, but his his expected goals per ninety is about 0.21, and he's plus five hundred as an anytime goal scorer. So you're automatically getting like a little margin of value. You're getting a five to one goal scorer at slightly over, or a, a guy that scores goals slightly over five to one at exactly five to one. Um, but the, with the United dysfunction, that run through the midfield, the, the, the way that he gets his goals now, or if he's playing as, as an, a pure attacker, like you're getting a boost if he plays as a pure attacker. And then you also still get him as a, a great chance to score from coming from the midfield, the way United's defense has been in shambles at times. I, I really like that number. It's, it's a, it's a plus 500 bet. So, I mean, it's like, I know you're going to be like, yeah, bro, there goes Brett with one of his high scoring bets. But I mean, you're basically getting a plus 500 bet for a dude on a champions league club playing a very mediocre, like almost mid table performing team. And he's going to play it probably in the attacking band again against United. Yeah. No, it's only your five pint. I welcome to see it. Uh, all right. So let's move on to our next match. Um, it is Chelsea. I'm not all that excited to talk about them, but we're duty bound because they are playing Brighton. Chelsea's 10th at 16 points. Brighton is 8th at 22 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Chelsea is minus 140. Brighton is plus 340. The draw is plus 300. Caesar says Chelsea at minus half a goal at minus 140. And Brighton at plus 110 on the double chance. So let's start on the other side of this one, Brett. We've gone a little while before we checked in on Brighton. They haven't lost since October 21st against City, but there have been a lot of draws in that table. Uh, they still have scored in every match this year, except for the cup game against Chelsea, which makes this, this rematch a little bit interesting. Uh, but they are conceding goals to the teams like Forest and Sheffield and Everton, which is keeping them from being higher on the table than they currently are. So as someone who is just inches away from publicly declaring for Brighton, I still can't believe you haven't done that yet. How are you feeling about the Seagulls? Uh, well, it turns out losing two really good players hurts. Um, I think that that over the course of the longer stretch of ga- games, we're seeing the loss of Caicedo and McAllister, right? Um, Caicedo stepped in and, and and he's done a good job assimilating to at least, you know, in the recent matches I've watched in, in Chelsea is starting 11. And McAllister has been great playing at the base of the midfield for, for Liverpool. Obviously, you, you don't prefer him as a six, but he's still doing the same thing. He's just doing it in that spot. And he has he's had a really good season there playing a lot of minutes. And, you know, from for for Brighton, like that, that's a really tough thing to continue. They're they're smart in their recruitment. I think in some ways, too, like they've gone full football manager in their recruitment where they're just like they're looking for value. And so they're trying to find, you know, like Ansu Fate has come over because they could get him on loan. But it's like, did you really need him or could you have used those wages to get like a midfielder that that wasn't, you know, some roll in the dice uh, league un kid that you gave a shot to? Right. And so like they 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 just want to jam a bunch of attackers on the pitch. And I'm not sure that's worked out for them. So like Adam Lallana has made appearances in the midfield. They they've had a they had a starting 11. This was before their the run of draws and wins here where I was watching. And it was James Milner at right back, Pascal Gross and Billy Gilmore in a double pivot. <laughs> that's a big drop off from Alexis McAllister and yeah. Caicedo manning those two spots so I think what you're seeing is like this is kind of the disheartening thing about the small club being you know one of the selling clubs for the most part is you you're you're eventually going to hit a little bit of a blip between waves of talent and I think part of it's on Brighton for using their resources to just fi- try to buy as many attackers as possible and just be like, well, we'll just try to just blow teams off the pitch. Who cares about the midfield? It's an interesting theory. It hasn't been working out great when like nine and four is putting up two goals against you and Sheffield scoring against you. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, with this team, I, I'm not going to question them because they've cl- they're clearly doing something right as a club who was, you know, in the championship five, six, seven years ago and is now playing in, Europa, um, th- this club is clearly doing something right, but I mean, they they might just be hitting the talent deficit that they couldn't make up. Yeah, I mean, th- this game makes me really nervous, right? Because like, if yeah. if if you have a game uh, like Brighton and uh, with all the 
deficits that you just described in the midfield and Chelsea has spent over $200 million on Casado and Enzo and they can't boss the midfield in this game, then that feels like money that's somewhat set on fire. I mean, I don't think it is over the long term. I think they'll become one of the most dominant midfields in Europe, but they're not there quite yet. Casado might have settled in, but he certainly hasn't started earning the fee that he was paid quite yet. And then out on the fullbacks, James and Cucurella are both suspended, which means we'll probably see a Colwell and Gusto, even though they both had to withdraw from international duty with minor injuries. I guess they could dust off Ian Matson, but I have definite concerns about their fullbacks entering this game against quality Brighton wingers. Like they might not have uh, the midfield they used to have, but they're still really lively out wide. It helps a little that Brighton's dealing with some of their own injuries. They're likely to be without Lamptey and uh, Fati. But overall, like I just can't see the value in this Chelsea number at minus 140. The days of Fortress Stanford, uh, Stanford Bridge are long gone. They've struggled to impress at home all season long. And given the suspensions and the inconsistencies, I cannot lay minus 140 on them. So I'm forced to take the other side. And given the number of draws that Brighton finds themselves in, plus their ability to put the ball in the net, the double chance makes the most sense to me at plus 110. Oh, Toby, you you know you know where this is going. You're coward's already know, way man. out, isn't it? It's going the coward's way out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm taking the draw just because I couldn't find anything to differentiate these two teams. Um, I think if Reese James wasn't going to be suspended for this match, I would probably have eaten the minus 140. But the fullback situation against a rotating group of really good wingers you know, and plus, I got to stand for Evan Ferguson, right? Like, I can't, he's mm-hmm. not going to go down. He's not going to go down in this match. Like, he's not going to lose. He's going to will him to win. He's the next great striker. Uh, no, I just think, I just couldn't find anything that separated these two. And the draw just had enough value for me. So, I mean, I I hate doing it. But, you know, it's like if I, if people would, if this is a visual thing, I just have a shirt on that just said coward's way out with my face <laughs> right underneath it. Well, look, you uh, you just said his name somewhat facetiously, but I'm going to give Evan Ferguson some love. At plus 225, his value seems way off on the anytime, given that Nkunku is plus 150 and probably won't even make the bench. Like, I'm at least confident Ferguson is going to play in this game, so I'd much rather have plus 225. Matoma at plus 350 also seems high, given the fullback suspensions. So I like both of those uh, numbers on the anytime. And the number I really like, Brett, even though I don't like the juice, i got to find something to pair it with, is both teams to score score is, is minus 180. And I think that um, if Chelsea's going to do insane things like score on free kicks, which made me fall out of my chair since I hadn't seen that in so long, <laughs> and they're going to continue this revert to the mean, and Brighton wants to play these wide-open matches um, and certainly has quality of their own, and Diago Silva is just going to hand goals away on a silver platter. I love both of them to get on the score sheet. I just have to find some way to improve on that minus 180. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to ask you this. You always set me up for things, and, I, and this is not this is not a dig. Like, don't get me wrong; it's not a dig at you in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, where are, where are you at on the Thiago Silva washed spectrum? Like, are we trending there? Is he is he already no, there? Is, he's, abso- he, he's, he's absolutely not washed. He's absolutely okay. not washed. And what's interesting about Chelsea is he's causing them a little bit of a problem, not with like, is he washed or not, but they keep rolling him out there and um, they have to rotate for him, obviously, because of his age, his legs and his age. So like the defensive continuity is something that's sort of starting to disintegrate a little bit as ironically, some people come back from injuries. And so like Desai and, and him were playing as a center back pairing for a little while, but he was out there with Batashiel last week. And it was like they had just met, even though they were the first choice for a good section of last year. Like Newcastle kept finding space in between them because they weren't communicating all that well. And then Silva obviously made that huge mistake. So I think that they would benefit uh, from making a decision about what they're going to go with. Like, is Colwell going to be their left back? And then they just need to find a right back. Is Batashiel somebody that's going to become undroppable for them? In which case, Silva might find themselves in more cup games just because they need to establish uh, a dependable pairing. And I just don't think he can do it, especially during the fixture congestion of December when we have a lot of matches in a short amount of time. Yeah, well, that, that assuages my fears since you watch them, obviously, every match, because it'll be a sad day if when when if and when 
Thiago keeps playing to the point where he is clearly washed. I will. It's I just a matter watch. of standards. Like, yeah. are we comparing him to El Monstro? Like, he's not that guy anymore. Oh, he's yeah, one obviously. of the best center backs in all the Premier League last year, and yeah. I don't think he's dropped more than like a few percentage points from this mm-hmm. year to last year when he had when he was already one of the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also am clearly on a bad track record of calling players washed because I was doing it for Sun like all of last year, and then he's still scoring goals. So you know, yeah, but it goes to show the messenger here isn't very good. But for my uh, my prop on this one, I, it's the this on the surface, this game looks like it should be a goal fest. But then when you factor in some of the injuries, the suspensions, the iffy midfield play from Brighton, even though it's juiced up around all their they're big, they're attackers that are young and promising. The bottom line is the team that allows the fourth fewest touches in the attacking third is Brighton. The team that allows the fifth fewest touches in the attacking third is Chelsea, and they're playing each other. And so mm-hmm. the under of not 3.5 goals, because that line that the juice on that was terrible, the under of 2.5 goals is plus 140. And I'm taking it because. This game screams to me like one where we're going to get we're going to look at who the teams are and the reputations of the managers and kind of forget about the fact that, like, they also are really good at suppressing teams from getting into dangerous spots. So there are one nil, two nil, one one draws, nil nil draws that are very much in play in this match here. Right. With And and so that that I think that number at plus one forty to get five score lines that are going to basically be, you know, right in the wheelhouse of, of cashing that bet was just too good for me to pass up. Yeah. If Reese James was out there, like, just like you might have eaten the 140, I'd probably eat the under if he was out there, but he's not. So I just think that there's going to be a huge mistake made out wide that's going to leak a goal that probably we don't expect to happen given the uh, statistics throughout the rest of the year. But you know what, Brett? 1-1 one, one with an Evan Ferguson goal means that every single bet we just gave out cashes. So yeah. let's go for that. Uh, all right. Bring it home. <laughs> Bring it home, baby. <laughs> Well, let's bring it home in the Premier League before we do our study abroad with Liverpool, third at 28th points versus Fulham, 14th and 15 points. Sunday at 9 a.m., Liverpool is minus 400, Fulham is plus 1,000, the draw is plus 475, Liverpool minus a goal and a half is minus 140, Fulham is plus 110. So, Brett, we're talking about this match instead of league leaders' arsenals at your request. So, anybody out there at Brett, not me. I don't want to hear the Gooners. Uh, this is his fault. I'm not sure what to think about Liverpool after that City game. It felt lucky to me they escaped with a 1-1 draw, and it was so strange to see Allison struggle the way he did. I didn't know you could catch Ederson-itis just by sharing a pitch. And Doku just destroyed Destroyed TAA, of course, but uh, Trent got his revenge by rescuing a point by popping up in a very midfieldy position, which is where he should be all the time. Alvarez and Foden were really wasteful, and that's how we got a draw. How did you feel about Liverpool after that match? Because I just felt strange. Uh, I still feel like they're right about where I thought they were. Like I, I think City's the favorite to win the title. I think that that Liverpool is right there with Arsenal, but they're still an arm's length behind. And I don't think that really changed too much for me. And and part of the reason I wanted to talk about this too is like, that was the epitome of the, the Trent Alexander-Arnold experience of shaky defensively, but then he does something on the attacking end that makes up for it. And yep. you get you get the value from him right there. Um, but also, I mean, this Liverpool team is, is just interesting to me. I, I think that we will we will just be continuing to learn about what this team is. I think this stretch, this this December gauntlet that, that every team is going to go through, is going to inform us more about Liverpool than anybody else. We're gonna we're gonna see their depth at play. We're gonna see how they can weather a storm that's gonna uh, or a, a fixture list that's gonna have. Some very winnable matches. I mean, because not, not only do they have Fulham in front of them here, and Fulham's just fun to make fun of because they're they're so plain Williams. So like that's great. Um, ghost of William. The Ghost of William. Our, our that's right. Our alternate podcast name. Um, but yeah, Liverpool is going to play Fulham, then they're going to play Sheffield, then they're going to play a Palace team that's struggling, and then they're going to play a United team that we've already talked about, and a West Ham team that's clearly missing Declan Rice. And so that's all happening basically right up to Christmas. And then we're going to see him against Arsenal after that stretch. So we're going to get this thing of like watching them 
figuring out if they if this team is just going to be such a roller coaster that they're going to drop some of these games right before they get into a tilt that's going to that's going to be huge for title implications when they play Arsenal on the 23rd. So this is a super fascinating stretch for Liverpool. I am like from just a, a curiosity perspective, I can't wait to see how these results come in, which is part of the reason why I wanted to talk to them. Also, who wants to talk about Wolves? Like, do we, do we have anybody want to talk about Wolves? I don't think Gary O'Neill wants to talk about Wolves. Yeah, um, that's fair. And you're you're right about Trent. I mean, it was a very quintessential experience. And that goal he scored was sublime. Yeah. But if Alvarez was better in that match, it would have been a sublime moment and a 4-1 loss because mm-hmm. he was just getting destroyed, destroyed over and over again out wide. Um, fair, other... So your boy Doku, who you were on, like, right away, uh, he is – Legit. Yeah. <laughs> He's really freaking good. So I think Doku is going to be destroying a lot of right backs. He may destroy peak Reese James even at, at certain points. So let's let's, uh, let's not just single out Trent with Doku because Doku's been making a lot of people look foolish lately. Agreed. Uh, Fulham makes themselves look foolish. <laughs> they have certainly demonstrated they are not afraid to get beat really badly by top opponents. They've got two goal losses to Villa, Chelsea, Spurs just in the last couple months. Uh, caught a 5-1 lashing City delivered to them. It honestly makes me nervous to bet on Poole scoring twice here or three times that they concede. But Fulham isn't uh, well-staffed to take advantage of Liverpool's various weaknesses defensively, which I've, I've always said is TAA and then McAllister holding. So I guess I have to play the adjusted line here for a pool and hope they get a goal early enough to make sure the game is open enough to get the other one. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, this is a bet against Fulham's just absolutely pathetic attack. Um, like, you know, there are certain teams and, and we, you know, when we were on Trinity, we'll, we talk about this in NFL and all the other shows in the network probably do the same thing too. Like, you know, certain teams can exploit inefficiencies better than others. Uh, I don't care who Fulham decides to actually put on the left wing, they're not going to exploit. <laughs> it's just yeah. not going to happen. It's it's the anti-Doku, if, yeah. if you want to put it that way. Uh, so I, too, am taking them on the adjusted spread because this Liverpool attack is incredibly potent. Um, I mean, they are they have depth. They have such – I mean, we've talked about this. Like, it was crazy that they're bringing up Darwin Nunez. Darwin Nunez would start for all but, like, 10 teams in the world, and they're bringing him off the bench to start the year. Um, obviously, with injuries, you're going to see some of these guys rotated out. And thankfully, yeah. the, Lewis, the Luis Diaz situation with his parents being kidnapped has resolved itself. So he's back, um, which is fantastic for not just soccer reasons, but also for his own personal yeah, That's what I was going to say. Diaz like would start for all but eight teams in the world. So now he's yeah. coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and like I said, it's it's great that he's back just because his parents are okay, and that's a good thing. Um, and yeah, so for this one, I my thought was, you know, maybe even taking up like an adjusted line with Liverpool or a clean sheet. Um, but because Liverpool is Liverpool and because I've seen them do this thing against Luton Town where they were failing to score multiple goals um, and that game ended up being a draw, is the both to score no juice was less than the both to score yes. And that like intrigued me because it's minus 110 for both to score no. There's a very good chance that Fulham do not score because they're Fulham and are almost getting even money for just basically betting Fulham not to score. And if any in any scenario, in my opinion, where Fulham gets a draw or result of this match, I'm assuming it's because Liverpool is going to be wayward in front of the net and wasteful in front of goal. And that yeah. so zero is going to zero or one is going to be heavy in the Fulham win or draw range. So at minus 110, I just felt like that was really good value on the both teams score no line. Yeah, I'd look at the clean sheet win for Liverpool at that point, but that's just me. Uh, all right. Man, this is let's... the Trent Alexander Arnold hater, and he's telling me that. <laughs> Fair point. Fulham can't go get one goal and shut out Liverpool? I don't know, man. When the ghost of William is your best attacker, it's easy to play clean sheet wins. Uh, (laughs) All right. We're going to do a quick study abroad right after this break and then get out of here as I think we're pushing our time limit. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The 
playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, we are back and we are doing something we haven't done, which is going right back to the same country, Brett. We looked through the list and it was a clear winner, which we had to do because of your personal passion for this team. And that is Napoli, fourth at 24 points versus Inter, first at 32 points down in Syria, Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Inter is plus 140. Napoli is plus 180. The draw is plus 240. Inter minus half a goal is plus 130. And Napoli is minus 190. So, Brett, we did enter just last week. And I don't want this to become an interpod. But like every proper soccer hipster, you've been bursting at the seams to talk about Napoli. So during the holiday season, I could not deny you a chance to do so as I am no Grinch. So go ahead, friend. Empty the notebook on every soccer fan's second favorite team. <laughs> yeah, we we unfortunately we probably got to him uh, a year too late. Um, Luciano Spalotti, the lovable maniac that he was, uh, is no left the team's post. He wasn't fired or anything. He just left the post uh, at the end of last season. But this Napoli team has been so much fun to watch the last couple of years. Uh, he Spalotti had them playing the super aggressive, high flying attack. You know, none of their attackers are going to be uh, you know players that like you write home home about, with the exception of, of two. Um, but, and that's going to be, uh, and I'm sad here. It's going to be so embarrassing when I get this right. I'm waiting it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be our guy, um, Havacha Kavaratz Shilia. I think I got that right or close to it, or at least we know who it is. We're just going to call him Kava to be short. Um, and then, uh, Victor Osman, who's been, who's been linked to a ton of bigger clubs is one of the premier up and coming young strikers. So those two guys have been kind of the bell cows for this Napoli team. Um, though they're definitely going to be the biggest names. Uh, Osman has been in and out of the lineup a lot this year with injuries. Um, but you know, they, they kind of rotate this group of like, slightly above average attackers. So they, they have Raspadori, uh, they have uh, Pitor Zelinski, who plays as kind of attacking midfielder, um, and uh, Matteo Politano, and all these guys kind of sub in. There's a lot of, of, of aggressive subbing with this team. Um, you'll see Osman even get subbed out sometimes in the 70th minute for some of these players to come off the bench. Um, and so they just kind of throw waves of like pretty decent attackers at you and they still play this aggressive thing one of my one of my favorite players uh three years ago he kind of burst onto the scene coming back with foam uh was uh andre frank zambo and guisa uh so he's not like he gets pegged i think as like a kind of dirty work defensive midfielder sometimes which isn't really reflective of what he does he's kind of like ruben loft his cheek but with defensive steel um, and he's added a lot to this team. He's been a super fun player. I, I, there are probably a ton of Premier League teams that could have used him. Um, and he, they, Fulham just let him, or after Fulham let him escape to Napoli, I, I kind of never really understood that one. Um, but they're just fun. Like this team is fun. They're they're going through a little turmoil right now. Uh, Rudy Garcia just got fired uh, in middle of November. Um, and Walter Mazzari, who all you Watford heads that are out here, all you Watford guys, um, the Pazzo family, Walter Mazzari was one of the uh, carousel managers when Watford was hanging in and out of the Premier League uh, in the mid-teens here, in the mid-20-teens here. Um, but he is now going to be in charge. They're still pretty good. They actually have the second best underlying numbers in um, uh, Syria. A. I think to me, they're more of a threat, uh, a title threat to enter uh, than Juventus was. And so I'm I'm thinking this matchup will be a lot more fun. It's definitely going to be a lot more high flying. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this one. 
All right. Well, Chelsea are going to pay 150 million for Osaman, and Fatmob has him rated as Napoli's fourth best player this year. So that's something to say for them. I know Napoli plays a style everyone loves, but the odds are just too bunched here to not go with who I feel is the better team, and that's definitely Inter. I think they have just a little more quality throughout the entire pitch. I love the Theron Martinez combo, and I trust them more with my money than Napoli, even if they have captured everyone's heart. So I actually fear the draw more than the Napoli side here, but I'm no coward. So I'm going to go with the Inter money line at plus 140. Well, we wound up in the same place. So as much as I enjoy, uh, talking about Napoli as much as I've enjoyed watching them in the, in the Champions League the last couple of years. Um, I am going with Inter because Inter, I am of the, uh, we talked about the skepticism with them and Juventus not actually playing like real teams for the most part. <laughs> um, and so I I still think that the jury's sort of out on them. I, I think they're they're dominant. Uh, we've, we've, we clearly can see that they're a really good team. Are they an elite team? Are they going to, make another run in a champions league final that I'm not sure about yet because we just haven't seen them play enough good teams for me to really get that kind of feel. I still believe in them though. Um, I still think they're really good. The Benfica result, um, you know, aside, basically I, I still think this is a really good team. Uh, I think even the Benfica match, um, they basically outcreated them. It just happened to be a kind of a three, three draw and I'm pairing them with Lautaro Martinez, who basically is one of the best strikers that's not in the Premier League at this point. He is awesome. He's generating shots basically at will. You, you talked about Thuram as a strike partner now, which is, in my opinion, a big upgrade on the very aging Eden Dzeko. Um, and and we so we covered Inter a lot with, with their style of play, so I won't go there. But this team is good. Martinez is good. There's going to be goals in this match where I was a little hesitant last week to talk about the optimism of goals. And so I'm taking him to score. I'm taking Inter to win. And I am with you, not on that exact bet, but in that uh, spirit, because I'm going both teams score yes again here at minus 150, because I'm getting Latara Martinez and I'm getting Osaman and I'm getting Thuram and all this attacking power, and I'm not having to eat that much juice. And, you know, I've got to admit, like I'm watching Inter and I'm watching Napoli when they're playing real teams, not when they're playing like the 17th, 18th, 19th team in, in Italy. And every time I turn on a game between two, you know, an Italian, in some form of heavyweight, it seems like there's a lot of goals. Like Napoli gave up four to Real. They gave up two to AC Milan. They gave up the three to uh, Fiorentina. They gave up three to Real again. They gave up two to Lazio. Uh, Inter gave up three to Benfica, one to Juve, one to Milan. And in every one of those games I just read off, they scored as well. So one, there's a you know decent uh, heavyweight battle between Napoli and Inter and anybody else. It seems like there are both sides on the score sheet in almost every single instance. And minus one fifty seems like good value if that's the case. Yeah, and I mean the, you you mentioned the Madrid uh, game for Napoli, and part of the the easy sell for me at taking Inter at a plus number was. I won't even sit here and list it, but just just for any of those interested, go look at Madrid's starting eleven because it was not the starting eleven you're probably picturing <laughs> when uh, of when you think about Madrid. And Napoli still got beat pretty soundly, um, so I think there might be some trouble brewing here. We could be kind of seeing the end of the super fun Napoli era, or maybe maybe this ends up being a blip. But that performance was a big key in taking Andrew at the plus number for me. All right. Well, you should listen to Brett. And you should listen to all his plus numbers because not only did he win November, just slightly, he won 17 to 14.7, but we are officially entering not just the holiday season, but the Brett Coromino season. The Brett, time of year. Brett, do you know your record in the last two Decembers combined? Do you have any idea? I know last year we were up an absurd. Not we, you, sir. I mean, I, I was good, but you were incredible. The, the, last world, yeah, the two, World Cup, I know we were awesome. I don't know what I did the year before that. The last two Decembers, Brett, this is our third season. The last two Decembers, you are cumulatively plus 40 units. <laughs> You are 40 <laughs> units up in the rest of December. And since you are very close to break even since the show started, I probably don't have to tell you the math you are the rest of the months. But <laughs> December, you are unfreaking beatable. So I am going to honor that. And I always go first here. But given how dominant you have been during the month of December, you go ahead and lead us off this time. 
Wow. It's, uh, I, I, the weird thing about me is like, it just makes me feel like I'm clearly doing something wrong in all the other months here, um, or just getting all my good picks in in one month. Uh, but yeah, all right. So we're going to go for the five pine here. Um, weighted blanket is going to lead it off. We got minus one and a half for City at minus 125 for pine. Erling Haaland, two or more goals at plus 275. Uh, I'm going to actually take the under in that Chelsea Brighton match plus 140 at under two and a half goals. And then I'm going to take Liverpool minus 140 against Fulham. And then the final one is going to be Inter plus 140 over my my love, beloved Napoli team. Sorry, Napoli. Or what is it? Na- ne- what are you, how do you call it? I want to know Napolitans. What are people from Na- Napoli? <laughs> if I call them Napoleons, am I going to get canceled? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I mean, maybe you're just driving traffic to the movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, know. I was going to think about this. I was I was going to call them like Neapolitans for a second. Neapolitans, yeah. Pretty sure yeah. it's an ice cream. People that are like right. well, you should cream. definitely listen to our picks in that game since we don't even know how to refer to an incredibly Napoli- cultured large group of people. Uh, so I am going to do something I've never done on the show before, Brett, and I am going to concentrate uh, four of my five pints into a single game. That is how much I oh. love the City Spurs matchup. I am going to join you for City minus half a goal at minus 125 and Holland to score two plus at plus 275, given we don't swap picks ahead of time. Uh, I am a little bit surprised we both came to that as the best bets for the weekend. But I'm going to continue to pile on here with Man City to score in both halves at minus 125 and City to win both halves at plus 170. The only reason that I'm a little bit concerned about that last one and I'm spreading it out is the 1-1 second half as Spurs like coast to a 5-1 victory after getting four in the first. So that is where I'm going with City coast to a five-run victory. I'm sorry, Spurs are coasting to a five-run victory. You're in trouble this week, buddy. That is true. I'm going home empty-handed. Except for my last pick because I just wanted to have some fun. Uh, And I I also believe this is good value. I am doing a parlay of both teams to score in the City Brighton and the Napoli Inter game. So I need Chelsea, Brighton, Napoli, and Inter. All four of them get on the score sheet, and that gets me plus 159 if you put it together. I like that. That's a good one. I would be, I maybe be worried about Napoli, but for the rest of them, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good number for uh, that line. I like that. Yeah, and super fun to root for and watch on a super fun weekend. We have a packed slate of NFL action. We have great soccer, uh, obviously the college football championships. This is one of the good ones, folks. So put down the gingerbread house, put down the peppermint bark, put down the lights in the tree for just a few minutes and revel in sports. It might be something that uh, we get to do all year, but it feels particularly special around this time. And also special, Brett, my time with you. So thank you for joining. Uh, Thanks, can't man. wait to come back and do it again with you next week. And until then, when we will be here with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis, take care, everyone. <laughs>